Andy, my dude, have you heard of the magical website builder known as Squarespace? Ugh, not another Squarespace ad. I feel like every podcast is sponsored by them. <laughs> hey, 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 don't knock it till you try it. Yes, okay, it is overhyped. But actually, it lives up to the hype. Squarespace is like a website fairy godmother. With a click of a button, your site transforms into a beautiful masterpiece. A website fairy godmother? That sounds interesting. What makes it so magical? Well, for starters, those slick templates make anyone look like a professional web designer. Pick one, customize the colors and fonts to match your brand, and voila. Plus, the drag-and-drop fluid engine is so easy, your grandma could build a site on Squarespace. Well, she did knit me a lovely scarf last Christmas. Maybe website design is next. Exactly. And when you're ready to sell your Nana's handmade scarves online, Squarespace has built-in e-commerce. Add a store with one click. Get flexible payment options. Then watch those sales roll in. And when she wants to teach others her steezy scarf skills, Squarespace's new courses feature is just the ticket. Nana can set up her curriculum and enrollments and payments in a snap and become the next e-knitting influencer. Wow, you really sold me with the grandma angle. Sign me up for that free try. Just go to thenextreel.com slash Squarespace and transform your site into a beautiful Squarespace masterpiece. Well, thanks, Pete. Even though it's overhyped, Squarespace actually sounds perfect for Nana's site's needs. Appreciate the warning on the ads, though. I'll brace myself next time I listen to a podcast. Anytime. Let me know if you need any help getting that site up and running. Andy, can you believe we've almost hit 700 episodes of The Next Reel? I know, it's crazy. And with all the other episodes in our family of podcasts, we are well over 1,200 episodes of movie conversation. It's really pretty amazing that we've gotten to have these in-depth movie chats every week for over a decade now. And we couldn't have done it without our loyal community of film fans. Their support over the years has meant so much. For sure. That reminds me, we should give the merch store a shout out. Buying shirts from thenextreel.com slash merch is a great way listeners can continue to support the show. Plus, they get to support our great designs. Absolutely. I think sometimes folks forget we have a variety of shirts, mugs, phone cases, and more available. In fact, a great place to start is with a shirt sporting the Next Reel's logo. We also have that classic Fast Times Spicoli Surf School tee, or the weirdly popular Rusty's European Tour shirt. The one from National Foods European Vacation. Why is that so popular? <laughs> Search me, but we have sold a ridiculous number of those. I guess there are a lot of Rusties taking trips to Europe? We're always adding new designs based on movies we've covered, like our brand new design for a streetcar named Desire, featuring a streetcar named Desire. So if you want to rep your love of TNR and films, head to thenextreel.com slash merch. Every purchase helps us continue to have these weekly in-depth conversations. So visit thenextreel.com slash merch today. And as always, thanks for listening and being a part of the Next Real community. We've got lots more great movie chats coming your way. JJ, we're about to enter a restricted animated zone. The only way to leave is when we meet again on the way out. (laughs) 
You're listening to Trailer Rewind, a monthly conversation about movies you may have missed in theaters and that are now available on streaming services. Every month, we dig into the archives and view a film that Pete and Andy talked about in their trailer picks. JJ and I watch it and have a very spoilery conversation about it. Today, we're looking at The Congress, which was directed by Ari Fullman. He gained attention for his 2008 animated documentary, Waltz with Bashir. And this was Pete's pick, The Congress, from May 23rd, 2014. Today is June 19th, 2018, and The Congress is available on Amazon Prime. And, bonus notes, I found it also available on Voodoo with ads. Oh, wait, so Voodoo is is giving they they have opened up so there are some movies that they will offer for free but you have to deal with some advertisement on that yeah i don't mind that and then yeah i love and i also found it through my public library as part of i guess they have a connection with an, an online service that handles digital media called hoopla digital and you have movies there there's music there there's graphic novels there uh so i found this there as well so you may want to check with your public library to see if they have Hoopla Digital now. Well, and I'm a big library guy. Is Hoopla Digital, yeah. is it an app? Is it something that I could put onto like my Roku or my Apple TV or something like that? Not yet. It's okay. right now, I think it's limited to like your laptop. Okay. Uh, maybe, I think, maybe on a maybe on a tablet. Because I'm sure. thinking, I yeah, I think any... Web access would sort of, do that. Yeah. Yeah. Great. But not not like your smart TV or any of those devices that I'm aware of, but computer, okay. iPad, iPhone, tablet, those things, you should be able to have it there. So multiple options for getting to this one for our, for our viewers, Great. for our listeners, um, and for our listeners out there. Supporting us as a patron on patreon.com slash the next reel gets you into our Discord group where there's always fun conversation about films. Uh, in June, we had an interesting Brian De Palma discussion. And we had a raging, like, Ocean's 11, tw- Ocean's 12, I should say, schism. Now, JJ, have you seen Ocean's 12? I have, but see, so now this is tough because, you know, Soderbergh is my favorite, favorite, favorite director. And so I, like, I read all of the stuff on Discord and I listened to all the arguments. And, you know, the reality is I get why the movie is frustrating to so many people who don't like it. But that franchise is just something that I just really, really like. So I give it tons of apologies. I can't explain away the problems that people have with it, but the Ocean's... 11, 12, 13. I just have so much fun with it, and it's so powerful for me that I dig it. Okay, so that that clarifies which side of the schism you are falling on. So, <laughs> yes. yes, you're on the good side with me and, and Andy. It's just like, just go have fun with these movies. Right. Just have fun. Yes. yes. All right. Yes. Well, if people want to sort of dig into that debate, they can... Uh, become a Patreon supporter and get access to Discord to, to delve into that and any other future debates, discussions that we are going to have. Plus, you get the weekly Saturday matinee episodes, that which is the home of our trailer picks and discussion of the latest film news and our lists. The lists we love, the lists that we hate this past <laughs> pastime when we were doing uh, Ocean's 12. It was supposed to be uh, train heist, and I, I came up with movies about trains. There weren't necessarily <laughs> heists there, and I realized I need to see more movies with trains in them because we're my not list always was perfect. Really, you know? No, we're not. But it's 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 fun. It was it's a it was a great diversity of lists about trains and train heists. So you get access to that. So for uh, yeah, so for this one here, uh, the Congress, Pete said that he was giddy with excitement, and Andy okay. was too. The trailer, Andy said it blew his mind. 
Pete said it looked gorgeous. Okay. And he noted, you know how Pete is about his IMDb score. Oh yeah, and, you know the six. Yeah. And so he said this was a six point eight out of ten. So okay. which is an indicator, a strong indicator of this. It's gone down it's, now. It's six point five. Oh okay, all right. Well, <laughs> uh, Andy said he had not seen Waltz with Bashir. I haven't either, and nope. that's one of those things where I know documentaries. It's sometimes tough to find time for those, especially when you're dealing with something that is, you know, really can be really tragic and sad, like you know, dealing with sure. war in the Middle East there. Uh, but he was hoping to see it before watching the Congress because of the animated sequences, and I know we'll get into the animated parts of this film as well. Oh yeah. Pete was just hoping it would be available on streaming services soon so that he could see it. So, Pete, get out there. It's on Amazon Prime. It's on Vudu with ads and Hoop the Digital through your public library. So, Pete, you've got no reason to not go watch this right now. You had it all, Robin. Movie queen at 24. And you slammed all the open doors, crushed all the dreams. Then Aaron's condition started going downhill. Eventually, you will be completely blind. This proposal won't be on the table again. Robin Wright for Jeff Green. You were the future, Robin. You were Princess Bride. And now I'm... I'm in this situation. What situation are you in, Jeff? The situation of offering you the last contract that you'll ever have. We want to scan you. All of you. Your body, your face, your emotions, your laughter. And we want to own this, this thing called Robin Wright. I have to take care of my son. So, JJ, the Congress. Yeah, they called it the Congress. Well, I should. I guess I should also mention that that title is uh, because it's adapted from a novel. Right. So this this was a, an adaptation of a 1971 novel written by Stanislaw Lem, which was called The Futurological Congress. So which was, you know, sort of darkly humor, dark humor, science fiction out of the 70s. Stanislaw Lem. Some people may be familiar with him as a science fiction writer uh, from some of his other novels that he has written that have been adapted into films i think one of if i if i pull up his list, i think he, yeah last month you told me that this was a mind bender and i yes. got all excited but th- but this is one of those don't judge a movie by its title <laughs> things because i thought we were into some sort of you know uh some movie about legislative drama but um <laughs> no, this is not at much all. much different than that Yes. Yeah. You know, it, this is, to me, this reminded me of, uh, I think, you know, well, Stanislaw Lem, sci-fi, Philip, reminded me of some sort of Philip Dick as well. And I think they have some sure. some similarities. So it reminded me a lot of uh, Scanner Darkly. It also okay. reminded me of the William Burroughs, uh, the adaptation of Naked Lunch, where you've got, mm. you've got a film that's sort of in reality and the things shift off into, things can go just off the rails crazy. And then when you get into these bizarre sort of dreamlike worlds, you get uh, sort of the possibility of utopia. You've got, you know, different factions and what they stand for and and usually a, a hero or main character that is in between the two sides and is sort of, you know, our our audience surrogate of, of going through this and, and being pulled from side to side, trying to understand or see the merits of both sides of whatever you know, war or, or debate is going on. So this is, 
Yeah, so it's I, it's less impressionistic than Yellow Submarine, but it's definitely in the <laughs> style of that. I mean, honestly, oh, yes. where it's it's taking you through this trip uh, when it shifts to animation, that is, it's taking you through this trip, and it's and it's kind of putting the onus on the viewer to understand where you're going. And in the first viewing, which I've only seen it once, and I mm-hmm. and I and I confess that I think it's more important to watch this movie a couple times so that you really set yourself up for how you want to view what's going on in the story because the first time you're kind of just on a ride and you're kind of trying to figure out where everything is and what everything means because it definitely, once it gets to animated land, there's a whole lot of very impressionistic, artistic ways to look at the the fairly political statements that it's trying to make both about identity and society. So, um, yeah, Yellow Submarine is the one that I thought about. It, oh, so. yes. So th- that transition... So we, we I think we can talk about both halves, but the transition, sure. how, how well, because that's a really, you know, for me, that can make or break the movie. When you go from we're, sh- we're shooting, you know, in the real world with with live actors and recognizable faces, you've got, you know, Danny Houston and Robin Wright and uh, Harvey Keitel and Cody Smith McPhee. You've got, you know, these actors that we've seen in movies before. And then you transition to now crazy animation, and now we've got some you know actors that are going to make that transition to the animated. Some that exist we only see in that animated land. How well did that transition work for you? Since we spend almost half of the movie in the real world before spending you know the, the remainder of it in this animated world, how did that as as a effect or storytelling device work for you? Well, it's tough because it's a different kind of animation than we're used to seeing today. It's very imperfect. And I think that my initial sentiment after the movie was over, I would have said that I didn't like how it transitioned because I was uncomfortable with the fact that I didn't understand what was going on and that it felt imperfect, that it felt like the voiceover wasn't really matching the track uh, or that it, it, it didn't seem to be polished, right? Those are were, those were my first feelings. Okay. But as I think more about what's going on and I compare it to a movie like Yellow Submarine or, or something that we've even covered here on Trailer Rewind with like Anomalisa – where it's it's almost intended to be imperfect, to give you a sense of otherness. And when you finally get through the film and you start to process what it really means from, a, again, a societal standpoint, I think it's appropriate. And I think it actually, if you're talking about specifically the mechanics of the transition – when she passes the security desk and is driving and all of a sudden the uh, effects, the um, what do they call them, hallucinogens or hallucination yes. pieces start to take effect. That um, that was done really well and, and I was really into it as, as she made the transition specifically. But once we get into the world, I was – I spent some time trying to figure out where – as a viewer, as an audience member, where I was going to sit with this. And I didn't quite like it just at first. It didn't feel beautiful, which mm-hmm. is, I think, interesting when you, maybe yeah. you see or you hear the trailer. It felt um, it felt off. But ultimately, in review of the film, I think that was done on purpose and done for an artistic purpose. So I, I can value that. I watched this the first time a few weeks ago, and then I watched it just, I think, like three or four days ago again to just sort of refresh. Uh, that was smart. Because there was so much. I felt... I feel really felt after a first viewing sort of lost at sea. Uh, yeah. But after having time to digest and then go back, I was able to, I, I think now we can, we can walk our way through this. I think I was able to trace a thread through this a little bit more clearly than I was the first time, because there's, 
when you get into that hallucinogenic dream state, you you're you're putting your trust in this director to take you through safely, and you lose sense of what's reliable and what's trustworthy, and particularly in this case where you've got a, a future where every you've got two different people or two different groups trying to tell you tell Robin what's real or what's going on. You don't know what to trust because clearly this is we're separated from reality. So the the laws of physics don't apply. Uh, we we have interesting transitions of time. So it's always difficult. We get sort of into that mind best bender mode of I don't know what to trust, but I have to trust the story is going to take me someplace. And when somebody says X amount of time has passed, I don't know if that's true or not. I don't right. know if when they tell me I am someplace, if I'm really there or not. So that uh, I was able to have a little bit more faith and confidence and comfort in where things were going. And I, I had a greater sense of purpose to the journey that Robin takes through this that I was able there were some breadcrumbs, I think, early on that helped me see a foundation that was there. Well, and I don't know. I don't know if we've ever considered this question before, but I don't know if we consider needing to watch a movie multiple times, meaning that it's a good film or a bad film. But I definitely think <laughs> yeah. on second viewing, this one is going to be better because it's going to instead of trying to figure out where the film is pulling you, you're able to, like you said, observe what's happening and really take in the specialness of this piece of art. And it's, I mean, it's, it's really different. It's really different film. And, uh, and there are parts that I really liked and there are parts that I really didn't like about that sort of differentness. Let's start at the beginning and sort of follow Robin's path here. And, I, and I'll point out some things that I noticed on the second viewing, which I I'd struggle with the first time, which has to do with some subplot pieces, I think, that I was struggling with. So, I mean, the, the basic premise is it's it's Robin Wright starring as herself in this film. And we're in a an era where there is a technological advancement that's coming along where studios are going to digitize and scan actors so that basically the actors can go live their lives as as they wish. And they've basically signed over the rights of their likeness. They're not allowed to perform or act anywhere on stage, screen or anything because they've signed over the rights to this thing that is their personality, their persona, their celebrity. And the studio then can take that digitized actor that they now own and put them in whatever, you know, roles that they want. And so that's, that's where we start off with this. And Harvey Keitel plays her agent and it, this is, I find interesting because we have a lot of discussion about things that if you've tracked Robin Wright's career, you know, you know her as Princess Buttercup from The Princess Bride. You know her as Jenny from Forrest Gump. And they play around with that. And this is where I struggle with, do I assume this is true things about the real Robin or are these things that are fictionalized for this version of Robin in the movie The Congress about her being a difficult actor who has uh, frustrated studios because she's not always taken the roles that they want her to take and she's put her family first and it's often cost studios millions of dollars and that her career has has been on a downward slide and that she hasn't had a really big hit in like over a decade. And, and how do they do that in the book? I mean, obviously they can't be talking about her in the book. No, and this is... So there's got to be some translation here. Oh yeah, this is... I think everything with Robin... And the the film industry is layered on to is something new brought to the novel. I think the idea of 
which I, ha- I haven't read, but I would say probably has to do with the, the latter half of uh, when we get to the actual uh, Congress, you know, sort of convention and what's going on with reality. Yeah. And I think that's where there's going to be more from the book. But yeah, clearly all this is based on, you know, early 21st century, these, you know, Robin Wright as an actress and and what she's done with her career. And then we have a subplot with her son, played by Cody Smith McPhee, who's got a fascination with aircraft, but he's also, right. he's also, um, Paul Giamatti plays his doctor and he's, uh, her son is losing his hearing. Right. And eventually may also go blind. So he's losing this ability to sort of interact or have sensory access to the real world it's it's being slowly shut off from him and in particular it sounds like he's underwater when it hears it and they play with that audio really well yes oh yeah there's that that scene where paul giamatti is there they've got aaron in a separate room and he's got headphones and paul giamatti is the doctor says a word and they ask for aaron to say the word back it's words that have similar sounds but he's clearly missing parts of the words so you get that sense of of this you know deafening you know this this loss of hearing that's going on with him but then this is the part that i passed over the first time but on the second time it made more sense robin aaron has a beautiful mind he is taking the information in and translating it as he will it is a gift he hears thrown says alone but he is perfectly aware of what he is doing now imagine what movies will be like in 50 years. I think that this is somewhat similar to what Aaron is doing. In what way? In the way that the movie guys will just have electronic stimuli that our brains translate according to what is in our subconscious. See, people will be given story data and they'll cast their mother or their girlfriend as Marlena Dietrich or you, all depending on what is in their particular box. And this is exactly what Aaron is doing now. He's a rare case. And he is ahead of his time by God knows how many decades. I heard that the second time around. I thought, ah, this this is a little breadcrumb for me about what's going to what happens later on. After we get into and when we even when we get into the animated zone, as far as what Robin experiences because we are in a different reality, and is it about her making meaning for herself? So that's that's sort of where we are in the the real world. There's a, a, a I found a very humorous sequence where they actually where Harvey Keitel as her agent comes and shows her a clip from a movie that's got a digitized actress in it, and it's it's like the worst cliche scene out of like a horrible romantic comedy. Ever. And, you know, he makes a great selling point of like, look, she was off in Paris. She didn't have to be sitting here saying these horrible lines of dialogue with an actor, you know, kissing an actor with bad breath. And, you know, she's got she's got this freedom. But her objection is that actress doesn't have a choice. And this is this is another part of the story that's very interesting to me is Robin Wright as an actress about her having a sense of control and choice in, t- in either accepting a role or not accepting a role, she has the ability to, to make choices about how she's going to represent herself or be part of certain films. And by signing over her digital rights, she's going to lose all of that. And so she has certain, right. you know, 
stipulations. Like she's, and I, I didn't realize this. She's never done science fiction. They mentioned that, yeah. you know. And I went back and I, I thought, I thought was, that was just for the the nature of the story. Uh, but, but I looked, really, she I looked has back not. and I looked back. I'm like, no, I don't see any science fiction. I mean, you could debate whether some things are, you know, it's meta. Yeah, so meta. it's it's where I start to question how much of what they're saying is is factually true in our world, and how much of it is is exaggeration or creation for the sense of the story. But that's sort of the, the first half of the film is her dealing with this choice and ultimately deciding she is going to do it. And she signs over, she gets, she gets scanned. And that's really the first half of the movie as, as her finally coming to decide, yes, I will, I will do this. That's fine. She will now get to spend more time with her son because right. we know who, needs, it? who, who yeah. needs that. And then we get a jump of 20 years. And that's where we start the the leap into the animation and the hallucination. Really, is what is what the piece is, right? Right. Yes. Now, um, now we get little hints. You know, and of, that's, uh, we get hints of her career. We see what right. they've done. We've got this. What is it? The uh, superhero. The the robot robot rebel Robin. The triple R. Right. like it's like this huge like action franchise uh, that has been built around her digital persona, and we and she sees you know. One of the trailers for that is she's making her way on her uh, on her road trip. So we see that, uh, yeah, the, the twenty year point. So then the question for anyone who's going through a mind bender movie is that really what's happening, or is that the result of her taking hallucination? As, as she enters the animated, uh, the restricted right. animation zone, yeah, I yeah. that's that's the question that I am not because the concept I, of the know. book, and I've been you know I've done some some looking into it. In in Wikipedia, and the concept of the book is really, you know, it's really to focus on what is reality, and how do we experience reality. So when you watch this movie, if you really sort of critically look at everything that happens once she's subjected to the hallucinogens and she's there, and you really try to figure out what is free will, what is choice, what is if we're all hallucinating, where where do we have any sort of actual free will? And how do we express that in the world? Everything comes into question, which makes it a really interesting movie to review and and talk about and, and look at in in multiple different ways. Yeah, that this is yeah. I come back to that point of you know, as Paul Giamatti, the doctor, said, you know, now has Robin taken this? Is she now constructing this story? Is that are these things that are happening to her, or is it by her choice and free will? This story that she's participating in and even gets right. to a, a thing that uh, once she gets checked into the hotel I mean this this is a trippy world she gets Ooh, into the hotel so lobby trippy. and people can just appear as a, you, I mean there's so much going on visually I want to say this is like Easter egg overload because I think there's so many <laughs> things whenever you get into animation and I'm looking at this I'm like okay that person okay what celebrity are they are they? Is that somebody I'm supposed to recognize, or is that just sort of a generic personality? Because there are some faces that seem very. This you know, is where it becomes Ready Player One. Yes, it does. Right. But when she gets to her hotel room and she takes the elevator up, she orders some room service, and the little robot, you know, waiter comes in and he, she asks something about, you know, the lights have gone out and it's dark. She said, "Is it? Is it? Is it? Am I? Is it dark or is it all in my mind?" And he says, basically, "Well, it." It's both. It is dark because it is in your mind. And if you see the dark, it's because you chose the dark. Right. Which I thought, what does this mean? Is this telling me that everything <laughs> that she's seeing is a hallucination that she's causing herself to have? I don't. Yep. Yeah. It gets because yep. it, gets, it is that. But what does that mean? 
Right. right. That's the next step. So it is, she is in control. She is choosing it. And wow, what does that mean to what's showing up for her? Right. You know, everything from in the hotel room to her really like kind of mentally breaking down there through yes. some nightmarish, I mean, just really difficult things to stomach. And then where it goes from there, ultimately what, what we're told in the scene is that she's choosing this path that she's going on. And yet, if you're stuck in a hallucination, how much choice do you really have? Yes, and again, Ooh, yeah. Oh, there's great. There's so much about about free choice and and what that means, and that that gets to, what I think, is the really interesting point because now that she's in this in this world, this animated world, um, it's 20 years in the future, and we early on when she signs her digital rights off she signs it for a period of 20 years so clearly right. this is the opportunity for contract you know renegotiations are they going to renew the contract what what's going to happen what's the studio going to do and this is that point and then we we get like an echo of that scene again so she's she has a meeting right. with you know the producer from the from from Miramount Studios again but this time it's it's like taken it's ratcheted up a notch to like ridiculous levels again which i i don't yeah. i don't know if this is a commentary on can I have to reflect back on her initial choice of it's ridiculous and ludicrous that a person would be able to sign away their 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 per- personality their their representation of themselves because now in you know the animated world here where we are it's an even more like ludicrous ask that they're making of her right because they're at, they're asking how how do they say they're gonna where it was before it, it it's it's so funny the the parallels because on the first time she signs her life away he's like hey look this this whole structure we have is going away the whole thing with actors and agents and all that that's going away this is the next big thing and so here we are 20 years later and it's oh this whole structure we have with screenwriters and you know animators not being able to make deadlines this artifice this is all going away because now people are going to be able to they're able to distill a person down into like a substance that you could eat or drink and i don't know what that means well think of the commentary that she's well if she chooses to do this right if robin wright looks at it and says when you start off in the business and you make a sacrifice or you make a choice to enter some sort of contract and then years later because of the choices you've made you know potentially what they're saying in this film because of the choices that a person like Robin Wright made to create this amazing character this triple r character and then it takes off and it creates all this money and revenue and then the technology advances that all of a sudden 20 years later you this contract that you signed that you never thought you would ever sign because it was so outlandish is now small potatoes and now they're changing everything and the whole you know you think of what's happened to hollywood and you think of how the studio system has evolved and now you know what we're doing at the box office and how we're switching to streaming services it's a commentary on all of it it's a commentary on on how people make art and how people make choices and how those choices affect the entire universe with which we consume those choices i think Again, super heavy, super deep stuff and not all fed to you as a viewer. This is stuff that you have to come up with on your own as you're watching the film. And there are going to be a lot of people who are going to go watch this movie and go, I didn't hear that at all. I just saw some freaky stuff then, you know, and, and some crazy visuals. But, uh, but if you're a deep thinker, there's a lot to get into with this film. 
yeah and you know to this point in the movie i'm I'm okay. I I can track along. Even the first time I thought, okay, yeah, the visuals are kind of crazy, and but I I have a a plot that I'm holding on to at this point. And you know, I even understand the studio's logic because as he's you know, as Danny Houston's explaining this, he says, you know, well, you know, yeah, they're going to they're going to be able to do with your essence whatever, anything. And she starts to push right. back against that and he says, "Okay, well, let's say you're, you know, you're laying in bed and you're having a fantasy about someone do you do you pay royalties to that person? But clearly, you're right. you're using them, their essence, their for essence. your own personal yeah. pleasure. So don't you owe them something because you're you know basically how do we how do we make this uh, commodity that we can sell? And that's that's wow. what they're they're doing. And I thought, okay, that's that's really going far. But then we go from there to the actual event of the the Congress, the meeting where we have. We have this crazy like MC whose name is Reeve Bobs. <laughs> okay. Which I want to say, okay, we're building off of a Steve Jobs type of, you know, oh, of course. personality yes, who's definitely. this very I didn't even take that oh, yeah. leap, but Come that makes he's sense. he's this cultish leader who's like leading the way for the next generation and achievement, and he's just hailing this as the next big step and the next great advancement for people, and it's it's gonna do wonders for everybody. Uh but then Robin comes up and basically shames everybody, and says, Look, you've you spent all your research on this when you could have been helping my son, you know. How? Why was our research put into our own self gratification or entertainment rather than helping people like her son, who's now, at this point, you know, losing his hearing and blind? And we're not helping people; we're helping ourselves. Right. This talks back to one of our Saturday matinee conversations. It's because of capitalism. (laughs) Yes, it is. It is (laughs) totally. But this is then. Then things go bonkers because then we've got um, John Hamm's character shows up, and there's like a rebellion. There, she's fleeing. There's you know explosions, and then she's like in the subterranean depths with John Hamm, and there's giant whatever crickets or bugs, and then I don't. I lose track of everything at this point. Yeah. Well, and then it becomes what dreams may come. Yes. Because all of a sudden, then the whole world, because everything becomes a hallucination. And that, you know, from what I've read on Wikipedia, that's kind of the basis for the original story is that once you get, once you're in your world and this world that is of your creative mind's creation, you can easily lose yourself. And then what do you do to bring yourself back? And I think that's the essence of the third act of this film is the creative and and really super intelligent way that she goes about getting what she truly wants in life, which I think is is fantastic. And I got tripped up in a lot of stuff as she's you know, making her way through the weirdness and seeing her daughter and seeing all the, the beautiful stuff, but then choosing to leave the hallucination world and then seeing the, the lemmings of the people that are all taking the, the, the drugs and, and, and sort of all of that. And then how she ultimately makes a, a, another a, a extreme choice to decide to get back where she wants, where she can experience love in life the way that she wants. It's, it, it, there's, there's a lot of power in the third act. I really liked the third act of the film. That was, that was my favorite part of the movie altogether was, it was the intelligence that that character, and you have to call her a character, even though she's Robin yeah, Wright, yeah. uses to get what she wants in life. Oh yeah. I, to me, it, it took me a moment to figure out exactly what's going on because yeah, she, she leaves, she leaves the crazy because it's just clear that things <laughs> have gone off the rails. But what is very interesting, I don't know if you caught this when she first enters 
So when she's driving in the Porsche in the real world and she goes to the guard and then he basically says, you know, you're entering, you know, a, a restricted animated zone. The only way out is you're going to come back and you're going to see me on your way out. Right. And if right. you watch, as she's walking through he's that there. bar, he's there behind the bar. You see him as an animated figure, yeah. like polishing gla- polishing a, a glass, you know, as bartenders doing movies. Like, I've got my cloth and I'm shining my glass. And I thought, there's the guy. And that's just as she starts the hallucination. She's taken the sort of counter drug to come back to the real world. And there she is sort of in the streets. And my yeah. explanation of that was that was her brain telling her how to get out because when she does eventually then get out of the crazy you see that person who is in who is IRL who is in real life before moving to the crazy he's nowhere to be found right it, no, he's you know not and there. i think yeah. that's that's part of her brain's kind of failsafe mechanism to say i'm leaving the hallucination now yes exactly and it was a, it was a nice Nice visual callback to that to tell us, yes, she, yeah. her mind is, is coming back. Then she's on a journey to, then she she's trying to, I guess, reconnect with her family now. So she goes and tracks down the doctor again, Paul Giamatti, and he tells her there's no way to get back to the world that she just left. Right. She wants right. to get, get back there because of her daughter and she wants to find these people and she can't. So she re-enters sort of the animated world again, but very differently. And it took me a, yeah. it took me on the second moon to really piece together what it was. I had suspicions and there's there's some funny little inside things. So what I am seeing is she is re-entering the animated world on her own terms in her own story she gets to pick sort of how she's going to re-enter. She enters the world as her son Aaron. It's the only way to find him. Right, it's the only way she can get back to him is to live his life so she goes through his steps. So it's very interesting to see from a sort of infant and toddler's point of view, because there's one scene where it looks like they're on a movie set. I was trying to figure things out, and this, the the set that they're on looked really familiar. And I think it I think it's a reference to uh, "Message in a Bottle," the one with uh, oh. Kevin Costner, exactly. Because okay. there's like the sunset, and I'm like that that looks familiar. And I'm like going back through her back, you know, her IMDb list. And I'm like, I think that's what they're referencing there. Yes, she was in. Wow. So. It's like, I love it. So it's those, those again, touchstones to the true real world that we're in. But then, you know, right. she continues on the paths. We see her going through all these places. And then ultimately she finds her way back to her son. And it's beautiful. Yes. It's a beautiful resolution. It's, you know, and that's, I, I, I actually, you know, th- th- you could technically call what we've just gone through and in, in, in going through the exercise of the film a spoiler. But I think that it's not really because I think, it, you know, when you talk about this, watching this movie is like watching a painting that moves. It There's so much that changes over the course of the film. It, we talk about that three-act structure. It's, each one of them is very different. And I didn't love all of them, but I really loved the third. I thought that the beauty and the way that they wrapped this up. And that's what kind of makes me feel good about the movie is that there's this second viewing where you're going to be able to see the art to it. That's uh, that's a lot more special when you're not trying to figure it out. Well, I, I was really primed for a rewatch of this because I just actually I think I, it was uh, yesterday that I just I went back and sort of rewatched big pieces of it again because I had just over the, the weekend for Father's Day did my Father's Day double feature of Interstellar. And Tree of Life. And so I think a movie like Tree of Life really primes you for something like this because you don't have a traditional narrative plot to to pull you through. It is about 
image and what you make of that and how you piece things together. So, yeah, if I'd spend a lot of time with a lot more, you know, sort of mainstream narrative films and then jump into this, it can be very disconcerting because of your expectations. And I think that's, I think the clearest recommendation I can make to somebody is walk into this in a mindset where you're ready to maybe pause it several times to think about what you've yeah. just said, to talk to somebody about what's what you've, you've just seen. But I think it is a rewarding experience. And after, you know, letting it sit and digest in a second viewing, it, I've really enjoyed this movie because I think it does give you a lot to think about. And I enjoy films like that, where it not only is re- keeping you off your guard, you know, it's, it's challenging you to keep up with it, uh, to keep you sort of second guessing, but not in a frustrating way, but ultimately then it's rewarding because as we've said, it's tackling some big issues and questions about all kinds of things about choice and life and capitalism and ownership of things. And it doesn't give you answers. Nope. It asks you lots of questions. And I think, you know, it gives you an example. I would, I would argue that it doesn't ask the questions. It challenges you to ask the questions of yourself. And I think that is, I think what would make this kind of movie special for you. I don't think a lot of people in the world are going to love this movie because I think a lot of people are going to be frustrated by the lack of a narrative through line. And I think that all the movies that we've brought up here in comparison to it, you know, uh, I'll, I'll just talk about the two that I brought up in particular when, or the three really in talk of yellow submarine, uh, ready player one and, um, and what dreams may come. They, well, yellow submarine, notwithstanding, they have such more of a narrative through line that it, it's going to bring you to those questions. This movie doesn't do this, that this movie sets up the picture and allows you to ask the questions of yourself. So you really have to like that. If you're going to go into this movie that way, that's a good point to sort of cap off our discussion because if we start pulling yeah. more threads i think we, we could be here all night on this but i think we covered i think really key important points to access this film for people that are interested yep. and challenged to to want to engage with this movie and and let it push them to ask those questions as you said so given that how how does how do you rank rate a movie like this where you know it was so tough yeah (laughs) it it really i mean basically so for me you know i'm i'm such a big fan of story and and i like a a movie when it's well executed in in particular i felt like the first act all the real life stuff was a little long okay it was tough for me that and then i was off put by some of the imperfectness of the second act when we first get to the and i and i was confused most of the time that that third act again i talk about being my favorite but in general the only movies that i could rank this movie above were movies that i didn't really like oh, i couldn't interesting. I, I couldn't okay. really yeah i couldn't really argue for this movie about things that i liked even a little bit because i felt like those things felt had felt stronger so it ended up in a really low place on my flick chart but i definitely think this is a movie that people should see so it, it's it's a tough thing for me so it ended up at 132 and that's out of a grand total of 178 for me which is really really low that comes in at 26 percent. okay but it came below odd thomas okay. which i really yeah. liked yeah. right so you feel that yeah. sort of trailer rewind okay. thing and then it came above triple nine <laughs> which i really didn't like right so it's yes. a it's okay. a great like stopping point to go right there on it and i think you know if i was going to do a star rating i'd probably be somewhere between three and four and definitely a like 
but it's just in it's so hard to compare this movie to other movies what 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 did, how, where did it show up for you so so i i ranked it and then when i rewatched it i i re-ranked it and it moved up because again i i had a I had my bearings about me as I was navigating this film the second time. And so that helped it climb a I'm bit, sure. a bit yeah, higher this time. So I think it's at a very entertaining spot. So it's at number, okay. it's at number 30 out of 320, which Ooh, is like that's n- 91%. So wow, this is what it's in between, which makes no sense to me. And I think one of these films <laughs> deserves a re-ranking. So, it is, so at number 31, I have Solo, A Star Wars Story. Which we just okay, did. Um, and this was better than Solo for okay. you. Okay, that's okay. that's okay. Just below number twenty nine, the lobster. Oh, okay. Which now I, you know lobsters in my top five. Right. So, so to me, I yeah. I feel that I I think Solo is probably sitting high off of just you know inner child you know right. thrills, and I think on rewatch that may may come down. But I think given I've seen the lobster a couple times and I've seen the Congress a couple times. I I can put those side by side, and I think the the lobster you know does earn to be above, you know earns a place above the Congress. But I sort of see them as they're they're challenging films that that are gonna yeah. that as you said they they push you to ask questions and they don't give you easy answers. And to me, they're still very rewarding experiences. So yeah, I yeah. I own the lobster, so I'm a, I'm a big fan of that. And I will tell you that I went back and saw Solo this weekend. I saw it for Father's Day weekend. I took the boys to it, okay. and I didn't like it. I didn't like it as much on Sunday. Ooh, watch. So, okay, so that was interesting because I gave it a lot of grace the first time I watched yeah. it, but it it just didn't really perform for me as well the second time. It, it wouldn't fall huge on my list, but it just it didn't. The luster wore off a little bit on it yes. for me. So 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 I'm happy, and I, I'd say it's you know four stars and a like for me because okay. it's yeah it's yeah definitely challenges you the first time and then you now you know where you're going you can right. you're you're not sort of like scrambling for like a handhold of like how do i how do i keep track of myself in this because there's so much <laughs> but and i think i appreciated some of the the humor in it you know when you've got like and you don't they never name him but it's it's clearly tom cruise is there he's like the other he's, actor so that's, that's there if you if you go to imdb <laughs> the the actor who plays him is actually credited as playing tom cruise but they never name him they never but clearly it, it, it's you know he's in his like top yeah. gun flight suit thing and right. the the big smile and it's it's tom cruise it just things little moments like that uh yeah i wasn't so disoriented that I was like, why is Tom Cruise in this? What's going on? I could see sort of we're now commenting on and playing with, you know, this whole idea of celebrity. So f- I just kind of wish John Hamm was actually playing John Hamm. Yeah. Well, yes. Because he's playing someone different altogether. Yes, but, yeah. he is. Uh, but, you know, it's such a great cast to this. It is a it is a challenging film. Uh, Harvey Keitel has a, a great like monologue when Robin's getting scanned. He's got this big monologue about how he first got into yeah. the industry. And it's like one of those things where I could see. That's the biggest speech in the film, I think. Yeah, exactly. He's like, why is Harvey going to do this? He wants to do that scene. I think that's one of those. Yeah. You know, how do you get a name like Harvey into a movie like this? You give him a couple of meaty, you know, speeches like that, and he's he's on board for the first chunk of the film. You get him in a couple of days, and he's done. But it was it was great to get a really recognizable cast. You know, Paul Giamatti. Yeah. This was you know 2013, so five years ago, so not too not too long ago. Uh, these are all recognizable actors. I think uh, hopefully that will give people you know some access to this if it was unknowns maybe that it'd be more disorienting but i i encourage people that are up for a, a challenging film to 
take some time. Streaming is perfect because you can pause it and chill out, <laughs> decompress and come back to it. Uh, take it in little bite-sized chunks. And I think uh, people will have a, a really good time with this one. Yeah, it's 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 a thinker. You're going in there, it's going to be a thinker for sure. Ooh, it's going to take a while to digest it. I think even over this <laughs> the summer uh, for, for parts, because I, I don't know, I feel compelled to like dig into scenes again. Um <laughs> On this one because I do enjoy yeah. what it's asking, but you know what? I we do have some time over the summer to digest this one because for our listeners out there, we're about to take a little break here in the summer of 2018. So if you're listening to this as it's just being posted in the summer of 2018, we're going to take a break. We're working on some great stuff for the second half of 2018. This gives you a chance to dig into some of the back catalog. Pete and Andy, oh, there's so many great series you could just sort of jump into and binge uh, as we're on our little summer hiatus to, to dig into some of their pieces uh if you're new to trailer rewind jj this is episode 21 we've got like 20 episodes out there yay people can check yeah and i think as we discussed in a you know a few months ago there's some really good stuff in there we've only had a couple oh, yeah. a couple of clunkers there's some really good undiscovered gems out there uh, i've been sharing a bunch of people bunch of suggestions with people it's good stuff does it feel like 20 20- 21 episodes? No. Has it been no. 21 months? I don't it, think it's been 21 yeah, months, yes, has it, it? Yeah, it's it's been wow. yeah, it's been almost 2 years we've been doing this. So, what yeah. happened? <laughs> I don't know. We just having such a great time. We just keep rolling along with this. But we're going to come Love back. It. We're going to come back in August and in August Pete and Andy are going to start off their series of going back 50 years. They're doing their 50th anniversary uh, series and they're starting off with 2001. Andy and I just this past weekend got a chance to see it. Uh, 70 millimeter film projection of nice. uh, 2001. It's the first time I'd seen it on the big screen. I know uh, Andy and I had a lot to sort of discuss about just even the merits of 70 millimeter with that versus sure. versus digital. So I know he and Pete are going to have a lot to talk about with 2001. Similar to the Congress, it's not an easily accessible film. There's a lot of crazy stuff that happens at yeah. the end of that. So hang on through the summer and they're going to come come back strong with uh 2001 uh but yeah enjoy the summer dig into the archives play around there's lots of great gems uh and if you haven't listeners please head over to itunes and give us a rating and review it helps other film fans discover us uh so make the most of the summer there's a lot to see in theaters and discover online go watch a movie with a friend get out of the heat go sit in the air conditioning or go invite them over to your place and sit down and stream some shows and have a conversation about it and if it's one that's been discussed on any of our shows here we'd love to hear from you and let us know hondo I love the conversations that so many of our hosts have had on their shows. Steve and JJ on Trailer Rewind, Ray and Ocean on Silver Linings, even Tommy's short-lived No, No, Wait, Hear Me Out. And so many films they've discussed started out as a book, a play, or even a TV series. Well, now you can support our whole family of podcasts by using our new Originals page to buy the original source material used to inspire films covered on our shows. Just visit thenextreel.com slash originals. Your purchases made through our links give us a small commission at no extra cost to you and allow us to keep having these fantastic conversations. It's a wonderful way to support the show. Producing these podcasts week after week require a ton of work behind the scenes. If you'd like to help support our efforts, try using our originals page when shopping for books and movies that we've covered. It's your one-stop shop for Amazon and Apple links where you can buy the book, play, video game, movie, etc. upon which the movie is based. Original material for trailer rewind movies like If Beale Street Could Talk, The Goldfinch, Aniara, 
or the Two Faces of January. Or Silver Linings movies like Repo Men, which was based on the repossession Mambo. Plus, by using those links to buy books, Amazon and Apple show us a little bit of love, which allows you to support our family of shows with minimal effort. Visit thenextreel.com slash originals. It's a fantastic way to support the show and find a great book to read. That's right. Head over to thenextreel.com slash originals to find your next read and get started today. Today. 